Welcome to Midpoint, OCC's midweek podcast aimed at helping you connect with last week's message and prepare you for next week's sermon. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to Midpoint, your midweek connection to Orchards Community Church. Last week, Pastor James walked us through Ruth 2, 14 to 23, where you continued the love story of Ruth and Boaz and showed us what you called their the first date, really, <laughs> where Ruth worked in Boaz's field and came under his protection. Is yeah. that a decent summary? Was there anything else you want to add to that? No, no, that, that was the, the start for where we were going. You know, I was always trying to point to a bigger picture out of Ruth, yeah. but this love story is the thing that's playing out in front of everybody. So yeah, that's a good summary. The, their first date, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, first dates can often be awkward. I wonder, was that the the awkwardness of that first date there? You think, or the, I love to try and put ourselves in that spot where we picture ourselves. Hey, this really happened, and yeah, I I can't imagine it wouldn't have been awkward. And compounded by the fact that truly, I mean, it was an employer employee kind of relationship, and those are frowned on almost all the time. So yeah, without a doubt, there was some awkwardness. Didn't feel like we needed to focus on that, but I bet there was. Uh, you know, they couldn't text or, or get to know each other through texting. So this was, they have, I guarantee it was awkward. It had to be. Yeah, when I said they didn't text, maybe it's because they couldn't text. Yeah, was... yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, outside of that, what did you want to add in or couldn't add in because of lack of time or you just didn't feel like you could go there? What well, was that? there were things that I mentioned that we could have spent more time on. I don't know how much valuable you know input we would have got from it. I, I've shortened the history of dating. I, I left out many, many years and jumped from the automobile to the bachelorette. Um, but I mean, in that, I don't know how much more important it was that we walked through that. But I, I do just that, that whole concept that was fresh to me, that was new to me. Really, dating as we view it has only been around the last 100, 120 years or whatever. And, and so, dating was not how you saw biblical characters <laughs> become sure. man and wife. And so, I just I wanted to kind of plant that seed. So, I didn't spend time there that I could have, uh, but I don't know if there's real value. The one thing that I wish there'd been more time, and I think there is value but it was just hard to, to be able to include was that notion of waiting on God's timing. And again, we have a question kind of dealing with that. But that to me, I think, is one of the trickiest things in the book as a Christ follower. Um, I want to be active in my faith. I want to join God where he's working. And yet sometimes I don't want to pay attention to the checks that he puts in my path to go, yeah, not quite yet. And, and so that to me is tricky. And I don't know, we could have spent 40 minutes talking about that in the sermon. And I don't know that there's a way to answer that for everybody because those are unique situations. But... That was something that I thought, gosh, we could have spent a little more time developing. You know, God's checks and balances he has for us often look like those closed doors, and I'm not a huge fan of the closed doors, you know? They can get tough. Join the club, we'll get jackets made. Most folks don't like it when it looks like, hey, I'm going this direction, and God says no. But again, that's where it's not even always about God saying no. Sometimes that's going to be for you later on when you're ready. You're not mature enough. You're not ready for that yet. So that's a closed door now. Don't get out over your skis. One day, that'll be for you. And, but that's super hard to wait on because <laughs> then that's also about us developing and that's that's hard. So, For sure. It's interesting within our college ministry, we've sat down and talked about the closed doors and these college students going through jobs they want to go through or schools they wanted to do or having to stop school or start school. And closed doors is such an interesting subject that really hits so many people, not just college, not just youth, not just adults, but it's it's such a topic and an issue that everyone feels. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm glad you went there to a certain extent as much as you could, for sure. So thank you. (laughs) Certainly. All right. It's time to move into questions that we've received from the congregation. And we love when the congregation does this. And we we are asking you that they continue to do this, that we we love hearing your questions. We love 
hearing your feedback, your thoughts, what you're wrestling with, what you like, what you're struggling with. And so please, OCC, continue doing that. We want to hear from you. Yeah, it's, it's not uh, going to be a good thing for you to raise your hand during the sermon, but you have questions. We know you do, and this is a great place to be able to address those. So help us out with that. That's awesome. For sure. The first question we got, courtship sounds like a phenomenal option, but my parents aren't believers, and so I don't trust their thoughts on a potential spouse for me. How do I still allow my parents to be involved if I don't trust their direction? Yeah, and, and that's a tough one, and that's obviously a bigger question. You know a person who would submit a question like that has a bigger scope they're thinking about, because if they don't trust their parents in general, it's not just about their potential spouse. Yeah. Now, in, I'm reading into this, and you don't know for sure that's it, but it says, hey, my parents aren't believers, so I'm assuming, hey, I am a believer, and I'm going to be motivated differently than they are. I hope and pray if somebody has a good relationship with their parents, they're still going to trust that their parents want the best for them, they just, so, yeah. they just don't know the way to pick the best spouse for them. And and that, of course, can lead to all kinds of problems where you're settling. I, to me, that looks like a great option where you'd say, hey, parents, I love you and thank you for providing me and, and thank you for all the things you do. In this particular regard, for me as a Christ follower, I know that God wants me to be equally yoked. I know he's looking for somebody who can be a spiritual leader or something. You know. and, and so be able to, to list those criteria. This is what I'm actually looking for. And so thank you. I value your input, but this is the thing. And then you wonder if that might really be an opportunity for that, that child to be an evangelist, to be a witness for their parents. So I would hope that's how it would be. But, but yeah, if the, if the situation is I just flat out don't trust my parents because I don't think they want what's best for me, that'll kind of lead into some of the other stuff we're talking about. Do you have a godly mentor? Do you have somebody who's going to help you and point you in the right direction? You don't want to fracture relationships with your parents. I sadly know too many people mm -hmm. who don't have good relationships with the parents that way. And, and yeah, you wouldn't trust your parents <laughs> on yeah. financial advice or any kind of advice. And, and that's just sad because that relationship should be one of the dearest. You know, I mean, God places us in families. And, and again, but I've seen lots of situations where the young person is the one who actually leads their parents to Christ. And this could be the beginning of a relationship like that. What an incredible start it really is. And, yes, you know, yes. I think this question's kind of building out to even the opposite side of it. Mm -hmm. You have a non-believing child and a believing parents, and, and then you have it flipped. And mm -hmm. we kind of see that question here in a minute. Yep. But then you have, you have the dynamic oftentimes of, you know, parents encouraging or discouraging, maybe a move in between a dating. You just, yes. that could be a lot of stuff happening there where there's a lack of trust from parents to child or child. And it, I think there's a lot of dynamic there for sure. Yeah, that's, that's tricky. But again, good question and way to, way to be thinking through things. I, I, I think of it, it wasn't a, a marriage relationship, but um, my father was an unbeliever and um, had a tough tough relationship with him growing up. Um, we, we just weren't alike. I never questioned his love for me. The guy clearly wanted the best for me. He was very sacrificial in his actions. There's tons of great stories like that. But then, you know, towards the end of his life, and, and I didn't become a Christ follower until he was older, for sure. He was probably my age now when, when I became a Christ follower. But I would try and witness to him and share the gospel with him. And, and he eventually got to a spot after a few years where he just asked me, don't ever do that again. Wow. Just please don't share the gospel with me. I'm tired of hearing it from you. Mm, I'm sorry. And, and I wanted to honor that. I, I truly did because he's my dad. And so I, 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 for many years, did not. And then when he had his cancer diagnosis uh, kind of on his deathbed, I, I, <laughs> I went against his wishes and, and shared it with him one last time. But, but that's the kind of hard thing. Do, do you have a healthy 
dynamic of the relationship between your parents and your kids. That is something super important to build. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Which kind of builds right into our second question, more of a parent, you know, kind of idea looking at dating. The question says, I'm a concerned parent and strongly dislike the guy my daughter is dating. We can flip it and be the girl my son is dating because he or she is not a safe person. Yeah. I see her compromising on so many values we tried to teach her, but she won't listen to me. What advice can you give me? Well, and, and that's a tough one because, again, and I wish there was where you point to the scripture, it says this. That's one of those practical application questions. And, and the reality is it really depends on the age even. You know, if your kid is still under your authority in your home, at some point in time you may have to put your foot down and say, no, you just can't be with that person. And, and your kid will hate that. And you hope and pray that there's a time when their eyes are open and they realize, no, my parents wanted what was best for me and that's what it was. I dislike that those situations come up, but again, God places us in families sometimes to make hard decisions for kids who will not make them on their own. Now, if that situation is where it's it's an adult child and, and they're making poor decisions like that, that is super hard for parents because you don't truly have that same role anymore. You can't say, no, you can't see them if the kid's 28 and living in a different city. <laughs> you know. And, and But again, you hope that you've built relationship to that point because that's always the deal. If you have a strong relationship, you can tell somebody something they don't want to hear and they won't write you off. You know, They'll say, yeah, we don't agree on this one. Maybe this is an area where we can agree to disagree. I do think there's some, some just practical wisdom. There's a lot of things in life we don't know because we just don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and as we're growing up, especially, I, I mean, when, and I'm not trying to make fun of high school-age kids or anything. I was certainly there, and I, and I worked in youth ministry for a long time and have a huge heart for them. For high school kids, you know, what, what score they get on a test, what, what they wear to school the next day, who they're dating, those are the biggest things in their life because that's the only thing they know. It shakes their world. It, it truly does. And so yeah. and so we can't diminish that. We need to remember that. And, and I know you're cognizant of this. But, I mean, that they don't know how to pay a mortgage. They don't know how to get insurance. They don't know how to do things like that because they haven't had to do those yet. So when their boyfriend, girlfriend breaks up with them, when they do poorly on a test, when they feel like they don't fit in, that is earth-shattering for them because that's sure. all they know. And, and so... It's helpful for us to remember that, <laughs> you know, and, and we think, well, you guys just don't understand. No, that that's all they can understand at that point in time. That's as far as they've developed at that point in time. And again, God might place you in there to, to give you wisdom to help them see. And, and so talking about things like safety and things like that, I, I don't think you can overemphasize that. Mm-hmm. And kids won't. The kids get caught up in the infatuation, caught up in, in you know, maybe some lustful feelings, and, and they'll throw stuff to the side that's really important. And so with perspective, with wisdom, hopefully you can point them in the right direction. And again, I've had to do this not often, but for my kids, you know, just be able to say, no, you're still in our home. You can't do that. You know, but once they do get out of your home, boy, you play a different role as a parent. And and I'm not sure that I like that role either. (laughs) You know what I've often, I've often pushed with this idea of of dating and courtship. I've pushed youth kids, really the idea of, of dating or courtship is preparation for marriage. Yeah. And so it's not a huge popular concept that I'll share with youth <laughs> because they, they get really frustrated at me really quick. But the idea of, of if you're dating, you should be preparing for marriage. Yeah. And so I even push at them and say, why are you dating right now if you're not preparing for marriage? Yeah. And I, by no means do I say don't date, yeah. but I challenge them. What is the reason you are pursuing this? What is the reason you are dating? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that would be my challenge too is, is you know, help your, your kid 
understand the point of that relationship, under the point of dating, the point of courtship. Well, and I think that's good wisdom, and I alluded to it briefly in the sermon. You know, if you're junior high, high school age or whatever, you might date somebody that you're very likely not going to marry that person. But there is, whatever the magic cutoff is, there is a, a point in time where you go, well, I'm this old now, and anybody I date... I have to think of them as a potential, I mean, like if, if they wouldn't, if I wouldn't see them as a potential spouse, what on earth am I doing? <laughs> Hanging out with them, that's just wasted time. So uh, presenting that scenario and making sure they understand it, probably pretty important. And it's so often that junior high, high school, even moving into college, it, dating just becomes kind of just, well, I'm just going to do it because someone else is doing it, or I just want to do it because I need to, or... And it becomes so detrimental at times. No, it's easy to lose the the forest for the trees in that one. And, and the real side of what God's intention for in that is to bring you someone who can, he can work this miracle of two people becoming one flesh and you, and you guys complimenting one another and, and moving towards God-given goals. And, and again, we get... And I'm not totally just blaming the bachelor and the bachelorette, but we get caught up in, in this fairy tale romance thing, and we miss bigger pictures. So. Just wait, we're going to get contacted, I think, by ABC about you know <laughs> about detrimental me, language towards the bachelor me here, throwing so. their TV shows under the bus. And, yeah. and again, I've never seen the show; it might be painfully well done. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know, it's, it's comical, <laughs> but it's also so stupid. <laughs> So that's the one that's going to get us a letter. Way to go, Andy. There it is. Right there. There it is. Yeah, I'm going to get attacked, and that's okay. I will take the heat for calling the bachelor and bachelorette, bachelorette, whatever else you want to call Stupid. You know, it, it is. It's stupid, but hilarious, but stupid. Anyway, moving on, before we do completely derail this entire time here, moving from this idea of dating a little bit, looking into, and you mentioned it, the, the mentor idea. Another question came in. Um, and it says this, I would love to have someone who can speak into my life as a mentor. How do I start finding someone and how do I ask them? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question. And partly because I, I do think it is something where it's helpful to go ask someone. I, I think it's even just from the practical standpoint, it's just awkward. Like if I saw you and went up to you and said, Andrew, I really need to mentor you. I really need to pour into you. That'd be a little weird, you know? But but if you see somebody that you value their their godly lifestyle, you, you think, gosh, that person would, would be a great disciple maker is another term you could use or mentor. And you went to him. I think that's hugely affirming. Mm -hmm. and, and it probably scares the snot out of people, you know. Um, and this has been the thing because I've encouraged people, hey, go ask somebody to do that. And, and I've had people who were asked, they come to me like, what am I going to tell them? I, I, have, I have no idea. Well, the fact that they saw something in you that they would be willing to come and ask, I think we should go with this. <laughs> I think God might really be setting you up for something here. And, and again, it gives you a phenomenal purpose to kind of redeem the, the circumstances God's allowed in your life, the experiences you've had. Um, not everybody learns from personal example. It, it seems like so many do. But it'd be great if you have a decision to make and you went to somebody who already made a good or bad decision and you learned from theirs without having to make a bad decision on your own. So there's so many practical things there. For sure. Uh, and, and so I think you are. You're looking for somebody. And, and this is the point that I want to make, and I didn't get this into the sermon either. Um, there, there's a pretty standard application that says, well, I'm going to go look for somebody to disciple me, to mentor me. I'm going to go to the next age group up because yeah. that person has more life experience. They're going to point down. Well, you are going to get to a spot where if you're of a certain age, no matter what it is, there may not be a next age group up. Mm -hmm. And like, well, how do I go you know, to find somebody there? 
Well, you can find somebody that's on the same level as you, but you can find somebody much younger than you to still pour into you. Mm -hmm. It isn't age determined here. And so it's just, you're looking for somebody and this is the trick to disciple making. All you got to do is find somebody who's one step ahead of you. Mm -hmm. It's not that they've arrived. It's not that that person is Jesus. You know, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And so you're just looking for somebody who's further along in the game than you are. And then you guys are both on this journey together. And somebody who's going to mentor wisely has to have that understanding. Well, it's not because I've figured this all out. It's not that I'm perfect in this. I have some stuff to share. There was a guy in, in uh, the church where God had me on staff back in Missouri who was honestly the, the one of the neatest mentors, disciple makers. Uh, just loved the guy. He recently passed away, but just a phenomenal man, Mr. Charlie. Mm-hmm. And uh, like literally every college kid who would come to me is like, hey, I want to be mentored. I'd go to Charlie. I mean, like I'd go to him first every time. And and Charlie couldn't mentor everybody. I understand that, you know. But in that, I remember asking him one time, hey, could you talk with this particular guy or whatever? And Charlie was wise and and Mm. had raised a godly family and and was just a phenomenal man. And he looked me dead in the eye and he goes, well, I can tell him what not to do. Mm. You know, and I thought, (laughs) what wisdom in that? You know, he's not saying I've got this all figured out. I can just share with him mistakes I've made, you know. And so that was the kind of thing that I saw from him that made him a phenomenal candidate. But but again, I think if we would just have the boldness to go to somebody and, and walk up to somebody in the body and say, hey, I see how you've raised your kids. I see how you've succeeded in business. I see how you've made Bible study a priority in your life. Whatever thing that you see in them and say, would you pour into me? Mm-hmm. What, would, you, would you tell me how you've made that a priority? Would you tell me how you valued that? And, and then it's not that they've got to reinvent the wheel. They're like, oh, that's the thing I've already done. I have experience in that, and I can help you in that particular regard. You're not going to become their life coach and make every decision for them. You're mentoring them. You're walking with them. That board of directors idea you kind of mentioned briefly. And I think it's interesting within this idea, you look back at Old Testament times and and a rabbi being connected with their, their follower, their disciple, and this idea of, you know, their follower, their disciple would connect themselves so tightly to the rabbi and follow so closely and live life day in and day out. And lean upon the rabbi's teaching, the rabbi's life, and, and looking that if we want to find a mentor, attach ourselves to them yeah. and follow them, you know, listen, learn, and and desire for them to pour into you mm-hmm. and that life on life, yeah. truly. And that, that to me is truly the difference if, if you had to, to really highlight one difference between mentoring someone and, and being a disciple maker, because I, I love that concept and that picture you're talking about. And, and they said that you wore the dust of your rabbi. Yeah. And, and it literally is wherever your rabbi went, you were walking along behind him. And if he's kicking up dust, you're getting it on you. Because in disciple making, it truly is. Mm-hmm. You're sharing your entire life. And in mentoring, it doesn't have to be that big. It can be, hey, I need help raising my kids. Mm-hmm. And here's a guy who's raised his kids well. He might have made some other questionable choices or whatever, but, but how did you do this? Mm-hmm. And, and But again, I, I think one of the things we have to remember is there's value for both sides there. Mm-hmm. The person who is mentoring is going to probably be challenged on some things and think, hey, did I do this right? And they're going to hopefully glean some things from this person they're pouring mm-hmm. into where they can learn and grow as well. So it really is kind of a two-way street. Mm-hmm. For sure. <clears throat> well, thank you for... for I, I'm hoping that answered that person's question yeah, and yeah. shines some light on that for sure. No, Next question we have is, is how do I make sure I don't get ahead of God? And, and I, I think that's a great question, but that's what, what we alluded to. And, and I don't know that you can answer that in mm-hmm. such a way because that is so circumstantial and so potentially fraught with you know your own unique circumstance. Um, and you mentioned the, the idea, and I have a, a guy here in the church who said he has a board of directors. 
I can't remember what it's called, but they, they've got those if-then flowcharts. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. say so if you answer this question affirmatively, negatively, you go one way or the other. I, I think that's what a board of directors, I think that's what somebody who can speak into your life can do for you. And, you know, we always give examples that are the the real obvious ones. But some people make really obvious poor choices, you mm-hmm. know. But if you had a, a person, even one person, but certainly a board of directors, and you were going to do something goofy in your life. Hey, I'm thinking about cheating on my taxes. Hey, I'm thinking about cheating on my wife. Hey, I'm thinking, you know, whatever. And you went to your board of directors and said, hey, you think that's a good idea? I hope they'd just slap you. <laughs> so, you know, no, that's so ridiculous. You know, but but if you had somebody like that, it would keep you mm-hmm. from getting out in front of God. You know, but but you have to then allow people in. And sometimes we're so scared of that. And sometimes it's because we know our own sin nature and we know the areas where we're going to struggle. And so I'm not going to invite somebody into that area. We'd be much better off if we did. Mm-hmm. But but it, I, I picture that if-then flowchart, and that may be what it's called. I'm not sure. If, and if somebody's listening and know what that diagram's called, let me know. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. but, but in that, but, but that's just the way I've seen it. So you, you get to a spot where you're like, I have to make a decision, and you do weigh out potentially what's going to happen either way. If I make this decision and it goes well, if I make this decision and it goes poorly, and now I can pause mm-hmm. and go, okay, I'm going to evaluate that because that that really, to me, is the essence of waiting on God. I, I haven't done this well <laughs> successfully. I've rushed out ahead of God too many times, mm-hmm. I'm embarrassed to admit. But there have been times where when that decision comes up, we go, okay, let's sit on this. Let's pray. Let's see if we see God leading us one direction or the other. And, and I say us because Christina and I do this a lot. Of course, yeah. And, and so in that, I, I just if there's a, a pressure to rush to make the decision, I almost 100% think, well, that's not from God. I don't, I don't think we're going to be held to the fire that way. I think he's going to say, here, take the time to evaluate this, pray through this, and I will lead you. So with that, again, I, I wish there was a, a clear-cut answer for how to do it, but I, I think it's just wiser to pause. Sure. We, we are not people who wait well. I know that. But, but I think it's wiser to pause and go, I'm going to ask God. I'm going to ask my board of directors and say, mm-hmm. is this the next step? And I'll be prepared for whichever eventuality comes out. I think that's often that 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 chart you're talking about, often that looks like a pro and con list for people. I know people that spend more time on the pro and con list than yeah. making decisions, but, you know, well, it, is lots, it is Lots of ways to approach it, but but if that's something you're actually using, if, if, if you're going to go to all the effort of making the list, then you really have to say, okay, now I'm going to I'm gonna go which direction I feel God is leading. And I hope it helps. Yeah. It really do. So moves us kind of right into the next one here. How do I know what is God's will for my life, but specifically for dating, marriage, a spouse. Yeah. Well, and, and this is the one, and I alluded to it in the sermon, but I, I used to get asked this question often. The church where God had me on staff in, in Missouri had a, a really big college ministry. And I would get kids in my office. I mean, it seemed like almost every week and sometimes wow. two or three times a week. And, and I mean, there were there 150 college kids coming and there were, goodness, 15,000 you know students on campus there at Southeast Missouri State. And, and they're, they're young kids and, and there's a lot of dating going on. But these kids who were really dialed in were wanting to know, how do I know the person that God wants me to be with? And and I mean, I know I didn't come up with this on my own, but I don't remember who I stole it from, so I guess I'll give myself the credit. Uh, but, Might as well. Yeah, sounds but, good to me. But, but it feels like I, I kind of just developed this philosophy after talking to people and, and some reading and stuff. But it really became, quit worrying about, I got to find the right person and just be the right person. Mm-hmm. Be the person God wants you to be. Really focus on on developing yourself in such a way where God gets all the glory. And I just think somebody like that is so potentially attractive to someone else. Yeah. And and I mean I, I say this all the time because I didn't do it well that way. But but 
when God brought Christina into my life, mm-hmm. I, like I, I was so lost. I was, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was so far gone that there was no way I looked at her and went, well, she's going to be a great and godly mother and she, she, uh, she's going to be a wonderful conversationalist. I mean, like, I was like, she's hot, you know? <laughs> and so I'm going to approach her. You got you know? to start somewhere, I guess, right? I mean, <laughs> well, and, but too many people start there yeah. and don't take anything else into account. And I think truly, I and mean, it's a bachelor again, right? We're going back to it. <laughs> We're going to go off the rails here the, so quick here. The fact that God can redeem even stuff like that is just amazing. But And I know many godly dudes, especially it seems like a lot of guys who are in vocational ministry, and God gives them this, these phenomenal wives who are beautiful. And you're like, God just did that because he's nice. Because... <laughs> Because <laughs> like you, you don't deserve any of that, and I know I don't. So, so in that, is that the question we're asking? Am I looking for somebody who's who's going to bring these particular God honoring qualities to the t- to the table? And I don't think we always do that. But but that's the the essence of that question. If I'm focusing on me, if I'm focusing on on being the very best Christ follower I can, there's a person who's going to be attracted to that because mm-hmm. they're out looking. And then you don't have to do the whole dating game and picking and, and all those things. It, but again, that's one of those that's it's real easy to sit and talk around the table, but then we want to get out ahead of God. And and I, I don't know that there is a clear-cut way because what are you going to do? I, I'm not anti-dating, but I'm, I'm certainly not pro-dating. Yeah, and, and that's where I, I've been much more the courtship way or go out with a group of friends mm-hmm. or like that, so there's safety in that. Uh, because just dating, it, it puts you in a spot where you might get out over your skis pretty easily. For sure. Yeah. And I think with this, my caution would be, like, you want to work on yourself, become person that, that are, one, is following God, Amen. but two, is is going to be the right person for others. But I would also challenge people, when you're focusing on becoming a follower of God, the right person for others, don't do it with the perspective of just so you can find someone. Exactly, exactly. And there can't be an ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. I would challenge people, start with becoming more like Christ. Start there, and other things will fall into place. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the, the essence of it. God certainly does still call people to be single. I, mm-hmm. I see that in his word. I don't think many, mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to call many to be single. And part of that is this idea even of in creation, you know, Adam was created and, and it was good, everything was good, everything was good until he was alone. Mm-hmm. And then that wasn't good. I think God desires for us to, to experience and understand the marriage relationship because seriously, other, other than the relationship between the church and, and the body, mm-hmm. I think it's the clearest picture of what our relationship with him is supposed to look like. And so I think we learn so many things about who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to treat God and, and how we're supposed to respond through that marriage relationship that I think that's why God does put mm-hmm. people together. But, you know, and, and so again, certainly not if someone's called to be single, that's a huge calling, a high calling. Yeah. But I think that's hard. I think that's super, super hard. But but if that's the deal, if we get out of order on that and we go, well, I'm going to focus on me so that I'll be the most attractive potential. No, now we've missed it again. You focus Agreed. on you because you want to be Christ-like. Mm-hmm. And then God takes care of everything else. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So kind of our last question in here from the congregation is, Ruth and Boaz is a beautiful love story, but you made it clear I think that... it is, yeah. I would agree. You made it clear that Boaz and Ruth's love story is really building out an understanding of how God loves us. Mm-hmm. Does God love us in a romantic way like Boaz loves Ruth? Yeah. That's a fun question. And, mm-hmm. I, and I honestly... Don't know that I'd thought about it, and, and, and maybe it's because I'm older and have been in a great romantic relationship for years, and, and I just I have the experiential knowledge to view love differently. Uh, young people 
probably really don't. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is part of the thing, understanding even the Greek language. You know, we have one word for love in the English language, and, and we have to use it across the board. Mm-hmm. And so I love my wife, and I love my kids, but I also love my dog, and I love Diet Coke. And, and, and I don't love all those things the same way, because mm-hmm. that would be weird. Uh, but, but in the Greek, there's, if I remember correctly, seven or eight words for love. Yeah. And, and there's for sure three that get a lot of play, three or four that get the most. And, and they're totally different things. Mm-hmm. And so you have this eros love, which is the, the love of sexual passion yeah. or romantic relationship. You have the phila love, which is the, 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 yeah, the brotherly love. And you hear the city of Philadelphia. And I always laugh at that because that's a city that's known for not being a city that shows love. I mean, they booed Santa Claus one time, uh, you know, but, but, <laughs> but that's the city of brotherly love. Mm-hmm. And then you get the, the bigger picture, which is the love I think that's most easily identifiable with God is this agape love, this love of mankind. And so in answer to that question, does God have romantic feelings for us? I, I think not in the Eros way that we're trying mm-hmm. to think of, but I think, does he understand the importance of us grasping that? A hundred percent he does. But this flies in that idea of, well, God is omniscient. He knows all things. How does he know all things? Because he's God. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be able to figure that out mm-hmm. while I'm stuck here in this finite body. One day I will know. This is the beauty of the Corinthians passage. Now we see mm-hmm. in a mirror dimly, one day we'll see fully. Mm-hmm. So there's part of that where I just have to understand God gets that. There's good questions. I think mm-hmm. there, you know, um, God came as a man mm-hmm. and was Jesus on this earth and knows everything. So does God know what it's like to be pregnant? And you're like, well, Jesus was a guy, so he wasn't going to get pregnant. But does God know everything about that? Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. Do, do, can I explain? No, I can't. I can't, I can't begin to explain how he knows that, but I know because he's all-knowing, he does know that. Agreed. And, and so one of the great pictures of Jesus coming as a person, not even just as a man, as a person is so that he now is a model for us of he you know, struggled with things, he understood you know, what we're going through, he's like us yet without sin. And, and so it gives us that picture. But I do struggle for women. They're like, well, he didn't understand this. Or, you know. <laughs> he does but in a way that I can't understand mm-hmm. or fathom, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is the, the great passage in Isaiah that, that is, if we can come to grips with that passage, it help, it's helpful. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, explanatory for everything going on. But, but in Isaiah, it truly says God's ways are higher mm-hmm. than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so he's going to grasp things that I can't grasp in my finiteness. So a question like that is, is really a fun question. And mm-hmm. I think it's much better than a, you know, can God make a rock so big he can't move it? And Brent, <laughs> Brenton covered that in his podcast, which is really good. And if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, you should listen to Brenton's as well. Hop it, on over there. Yeah. Yeah. He, he covers some really, really neat stuff. But, but in that, it's this idea of how does God do that? Well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't believe he has romantic feelings for us in that way. I believe he, he has loving feelings for us that is bigger than the scope that we often think of with romance. But he does it in a godlike way that I'm just not going to be able mm-hmm. to totally nail here on earth. Great. But great question. Those, those are fun questions. Those are good questions. Yeah. A little funny story with that. On Sunday, within Sunday morning Bible study, we'll plug for Sunday morning Bible study youth mm-hmm. uh, ministry. Uh, we were talking about love, and I had a student. We were t- I was saying, what is love? What, what is that? What, what do we see that to be? And, and they and, said, what's love got to do? Got yeah, to yeah, do yeah, yeah. No, no. And I had a student. It was funny. I was like, well, what is love? And all of a sudden, a student whips out their phone, types it in, goes, uh, ag- agape? I'm like, oh, good job. There we go. Good job. And it was just funny that they immediately went to their phone, found <laughs> something that they could try to pronounce and try to go at, and... And then they tried to talk about phileo, and I, yeah. I had to redirect them slightly. But yeah. I was I was proud of them. It was, it was well done. So if you can Google an answer, you can get almost anywhere. It's a good thing. There's got to be a YouTube video for sure. Yeah. 
So before we end this episode, let's talk about next week. Mm -hmm. What are we going to be studying? Well, and that it's kind of a nice segue. That is the beginning of the romantic relationship between Ruth and Boaz. And and again, I, I do love a good love story. I hope that that God will give me the the best way to to mm -hmm. to picture that for everybody because it's it is part of the story. It's truly the thing that allows Boaz to be Ruth's redeemer. But that's the bigger picture for mm -hmm. us. That's the application for us. Is are we going to see Christ as our kinsman redeemer? We get you know grafted into his family, and so it points to a much much bigger concept. But it's a neat little story, and and again, it's the Bible's not. PG in a lot of places, mm -hmm. and, and this next week is going to be one of those places. <laughs> getting, getting close, yes, yeah, for sure. What can we as a church be be doing to prepare for this next week's sermon, as well as how can we be praying? Yeah, well, and, and I always appreciate um, how we try and wrap this up. To prepare, it's, again, keep that big picture in mind. This is a love story, but it's a love story within a much bigger love story mm -hmm. that is about how God loves us and, and how he sent his son. Um, and I would ask prayer specifically. This is just on my heart. Uh, I'm going in uh, to see the orthopedic doctor today, as a matter of mm -hmm. fact, after this, and, and get scheduled for knee replacement surgery. Mm -hmm. I don't know when that's going to come, and that's going to really mess up potentially. You know, like I'm so looking forward to ending the book of Ruth. And maybe I won't. Maybe you'll mm -hmm. do that or Brenton will do that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how that's going to happen. And so uh, if you wouldn't mind, be praying for me that God's got this all taken care of and, and we can get it worked out. We're going to finish the book of Ruth. I know that, whether it's me or, <laughs> or somebody else. I 100% believe God wants us to, to finish this Amen. race. So yeah, sure. if you can be praying that, that God's timing is perfect for that and, and I'm 100% okay with whatever he chooses to do. We'll, we'll be happily praying for that. Appreciate it. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Hope you've enjoyed this week's Midpoint. If you'd like to send any questions or thoughts into the show, please email or text occpodcast at lewistonocc.org. We love to receive those, so please keep doing that. Yes. Be sure to join us in service on Sunday, 9 a.m. and 1030, as well as Monday night at 7 p.m. Hope to see you all very soon. Be well and know that you are so loved by God. I will just come to church. It is true. God bless.